there is no such thing as failure. I would say failure is probably the thing that holds a lot of people back. That fear of not getting it right the first time. You start small. You start testing. There is no way we will know until we start the process. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is an investor and entrepreneur who was named as one of the most influential BAME tech leaders by the Financial Times. Before she entered the world of venture capital, she founded a social enterprise called Mums in Tech. An innovative concept, it was the first child-friendly coding school in the UK. Mums in Tech teaches women foundational coding skills and tech literacy within a parent-friendly learning environment. She is an advocate for the rights of working mothers and is passionate about getting people from all backgrounds into careers in tech and helping more underrepresented founders gain access and funding. Not only that, she is also a mentor and she's also a mother to three young children. She does it all. Welcome to the show, June Angelides. Thank you so much for having me. June, I have been looking forward to doing this episode with you. I've wanted to have you as a guest for so long and I was trying to remember when and how and where we actually met. I think it must have been three, maybe four years ago and I came to an event that was hosted um, at the Shard, hosted by Matches Fashion and you were speaking at that event. Was that the first time that we met? It was. It was actually my event. I um I ran, I came up with this idea that I wanted to make coding more accessible and and obviously I'm a massive fashion advocate. So um I, I thought I'd do it at Matches Fashion just to make it more appealing to more women. And yeah, that's where we met. And I think we also met at a HelloFresh event that they were doing the family boxes for kids. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you remember when we used to, I mean, pre-COVID, we used to go to lots of events too. Oh my God, I am now, missing the chance to dress up. <laughs> yeah, me too. But I've been really excited, as I said, to, to have you. So thank you so much, June, for making time. So I guess it'd be good to kick off for anyone who, you know, regular listeners of this show will know that I often interview entrepreneurs, but I think you might be the first ever investor to join us. So I'd love to know more about how you even got started in that whole world and how you became a VC investor. Absolutely. Uh, so a little background on me. I um, I grew up in Nigeria, born in London, raised in Lagos, and I moved here when I was 17. Went to UCL, did economics, was pretty adamant. I didn't want to get into the whole investment banking, you know, uh, Accenture, Ernst & Young culture because the working hours sounded atrocious and it did not fit in with my vision for, for work-life balance. So I ended up at Thomson Reuters. Um, I was working on the news desk, actually, covering syndicated loans. Uh, pretty pretty dull. Um, and then I got approached by a recruiter about two years in who said there's this new bank coming from the US and they were looking for happy people. 
And I was like, oh my God, I am so intrigued. I have no idea if I'm going to like it, but I love the sound of working with other happy people. So I finally placed where I fit in. So um, went along to SVB and I think that was the first time I really understood like what it was to work with a tech company. And, and that's where I actually learned about venture capital for the first time. And it was just a great eye-opener into the world of tech. The first deal I worked on was Farfetch. And I think I, I really caught the startup bug after speaking to so many incredible people who were just coming up with these ideas and building. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great to actually build something one day? So on my second mat leave, I decided to challenge myself to build an app, as you do, you know, with your second child. <laughs> so I, um, you know, said I, I would try and build something, try to hire a developer and very quickly realized that they were speaking a completely different language. He was talking about APIs. And I was like, what are you talking about? None of this makes any sense to me. And I started Googling, you know, these coding languages and, and I didn't know anything about coding. So I, um, I said, okay, well, I'm going to have to learn so that, you know, they don't take advantage of me because very often developers will say, well, you know, these things take a long time and you don't quite know how, whether to believe them. And you're like, well, why can't you just do it? Isn't it just like, you know, go on the website and fix it. And then I quickly realized that actually coding is, you know, quite a whole different world. And I, I th said to myself, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn to code, you know, what's it going to take? So I did a couple courses on Codecademy and um, found out it was a lot harder than I anticipated and um, decided that I wanted to learn in a classroom. You know, online learning is great, but when you've got a little one and, you know, like me, when you're a beginner, you, you kind of have questions and you want a teacher in front of you. So I go on Google and I type up, um, you know, co coding schools. General Assembly comes up. I call them like, well, I've got a two month old baby. Can I come? And they're like, yeah, sure. I'm like, are you sure? you know, she's a baby. <laughs> and they were like, yes, come. So I went to a taster course. And um, of course, she cries the entire time. So we end up, you know, outside the class for most of it. So that was a bit upsetting. And I was like, well, that's not going to work. So I made a decision. I was like, well, if nothing exists for, for me to go to with my little girl, I'm going to create a coding school. And, and that's how the idea for Mums in Tech came about. I decided to create a pop-up because I was on mat leave and I didn't really have any money. And I um, somehow convinced corporates to let me use their meeting rooms and convert it into a classroom and a crash. And I remember going to the first corporate ThoughtWorks and, and saying to them, you know, I've got this idea, you know, do you, do you think you can give us your meeting rooms? And they were like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> someone's willing to, you know, take a bet on, on my crazy vision. But I think having that, um, someone believing in me and saying, well, go ahead and, and try and build something. That was pretty amazing. So I spent three years building Moms in Tech. And in that, in that period, I guess, you know, learning about technology, meeting so many incredible women who came to us for different reasons, some because, you know, they worked in a tech company and just didn't know how to communicate with engineers and wanted to learn a bit about what goes on behind the scenes, some coming to us because they had business ideas and really wanted to, you know, kickstart as much as they could um, on their own without having mm. to pay for a developer. Uh, and, and really, realizing that a lot of those amazing female founders just were not getting 
the investment they deserved, that really started to frustrate me. So towards the, the tail end of me um, running Mums in Tech, I started thinking, well, how can I get involved in the world of venture capital? How can I get a seat at the table and actually start to impact some of those decisions? And, and that's, uh, you know, a, a little summary of how I transitioned from banker to entrepreneur to venture capitalist. And I, I yeah, this marks my two-year anniversary in VC this month. Wow. I mean, so much in there, so much of the things you were saying. I was like, oh, I want to ask about this. I want to learn yeah. more about that. Yeah. I just think, you know, even for some people, maybe listening to this show, you know, it's, like I said, it's a different topic. You're the first investor that I've interviewed on the show. And I think sometimes even just VC, venture capital, mm-hmm. people might go, well, what is venture capital? And yeah. so there's so many things that I'm interested to learn about. But specifically, you know, at the end, you're talking about you know, having a seat at the table and recognizing that there were these differences and potentially people not getting, you know, the the financial backing or not having access or not even maybe having a network of people to say, actually, if you have a great idea, if you have a great vision, if you want to build and create something, it's easy for people to just say, go ahead, build it. But actually the reality, as we know, is that if you do have, yeah, a great network of people who are doing similar things to that, to, to what you want to do, if you have people that can invest money into your idea or who can give you um access to to the right people you know you we know people already are 10 steps ahead maybe more so i guess i guess as an investor you know you must become very good at negotiation and i just think there must be so many things potentially that you already um maybe it was part of your personality to kind of as you said you asked for those meeting rooms and you just put yourself out there and you you know i guess what's the worst that could have happened they yeah. said no but also you do you think that I guess, you know, having the experience that you'd had and, and the education, where do you think you kind of picked up those, I guess, tools and created that network to enable you to go and create Mums in Tech? Yeah, I mean, that's such a good question. And I think maybe a lot of people assume that I've always been this way. But the reality is I look back on my on my early career and I was definitely not as confident. I was that person, that girl in the meeting room not really getting an opportunity to to talk, mainly because sometimes I felt that you know, maybe what I had to say wasn't important enough. Other people just had way more to say. And sometimes you, you just didn't know how to butt into the conversation. But I think after having IV, so my second math leave, I had a you know emergency C-section, had loads of time to to really think about where I wanted my career to go, like who I wanted to be and 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 really decided that you know it was time to be intentional and really take charge of the direction my life was going to go in and I could either just sort of go with the flow and keep waiting for people to save me but um as my mentor says you know no one's coming the cav- the cavalry is not coming <laughs> you need to sort of make that decision to to um, you know, light up your own path. So I think when it comes to negotiation, something I learned while running Mums in Tech was you have to be very intentional. And, and I think that was something that I did from the get-go. I decided that when I walked into the room, first of all, I knew what I was bringing to the table and I knew the value I was going to add to the organization. But also, more importantly, I knew who I wanted to work with and how I wanted to work with them. So I think if you sort of have that, your armory, your intentions, arm yourself with the facts. So when they ask you the questions, you've got the answers ready. But um, also, yeah, you know, with all that, you know, I'm a massive believer in affirmations. Go in, know how you want it to end up. And and I I think you make your own luck. 
Um, make sure you're speaking to the right people at the right time. Timing is everything. Always try and gauge the conversation. Know when it's time to push and when it's time to wait and say, okay, well, I'm going to make sure I get all the facts before I come back. And then I'm going to really push ahead. But um, find a way as well to make sure you're being heard because there will always mm. be people who will try and talk over you, interrupt you. I say do a Kamala on them and you and you make sure that they 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 pause and they listen because you know we we have we have to make sure that our voices are heard at the table if we're given given a seat at the table i think it's also our responsibility to make sure we're trying to add to that conversation absolutely and i guess as you said confidence can play into that and we touched on negotiation a little bit but my current obsession is behavioral economics it's so fascinating to me to understand more about what drives our behaviors, our decision-making, our unconscious bias, our, and our ability to influence others. So when you're describing then, you know, people might not even always understand their own bias as to why they're interrupting you, as to why they're not maybe listening, or or maybe that you feel when you said, if you didn't know what I've got to say is going to add value, isn't important. So you know, before you go into that situation, having, as you described, you know, visualizing or, or even just rehearsing what yes. you want to say, what are the key points that you want to get across so that you don't end up, because sometimes people say to me, oh, they, they, I think they don't have the confidence because they fear that they're going to either just go off on a tangent or waffle about something or not really get their point across. And sometimes people will say to me, like, how do you articulate your idea or, or what you're trying to express in a succinct way if you've only got, you know, I don't know, a couple of minutes in a conversation without coming across kind of pushy exactly. so yeah do you have any do you have any I guess advice any things that you practice or think about yourself before potentially if you're going to meet new people or pitch an idea oh my god absolutely and and I tell you what I started working with a coach before, just as lockdown hit and the reason I approached her was you know I went through another period another phase of like not being sure about how to you know speak up even in, in our internal team meetings and we worked on that and trust me it as you say, it's a lot of practice. It's, you know, rehearsing in front of the mirror. It's making out notes. And 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 also sometimes what I do is I, I send the key points that I want to talk about in the meeting ahead of the call, just so that people know that they got to give me room to talk about these things. And, and this mm. is, you know, you know, set the, set the stage. Don't be afraid mm. to let people know in advance that these are your key discussion points. Have your notes in front of you. You know, I'm someone who sometimes goes off on a tangent. So I now have my notes. I have my, you know, five points that I want to make in the meeting. And I will make sure that I go through them. But I think it's that intention. It's like, this is what I will talk about. You set the stage at the beginning of the call. You say, um, I, I can talk about it now. I can talk about it at a later point in the meeting. But I have five things I want to talk about. So I think just be very intentional and create space. Mm, okay, great. And you also mentioned that you were on maternity leave for the second time when you started to reevaluate, reassess, kind of think, okay, what do I want my life to look like? And it's something that I talk to people a lot about. And I've talked about a lot in my book that's out at the end of the year. It's about create a life that you love and then actually make it happen. Like these are the tools. These are the things, as you said, it won't I just come it. to you. You know, you said like, no one's coming to save you. Like it's no. not, I often <laughs> say a similar thing, like no one's going to just come and knock on your door and go, would you like this? Exactly. you know you have to go yeah you have to go out and get it so if people during this period during this year have had a moment or have taken time and they're reflecting and thinking I know I want more for for myself whether that's a career whether that's a relationship whether that's creating something of their own they know they have a potential they have an idea they have something but for whatever reason they either don't know where to start or they just feel that 
it's just out of reach and it's because some people say to me oh but it's unrealistic Adrienne you know like I have this big ambition and they think it's unrealistic so are there any I guess kind of rules to live by or things that you would suggest for people to really clearly define their north star and to start working towards it there is no such thing as failure I would say failure is probably the thing that holds a lot of people back that fear of not getting it right the first time. You know, the reality is when I came up with Mums and Tech, I had no idea how I was going to do it, but I just started. You start small, you start testing. There, you know, there, there is no way we will know until we start the process. And it's okay to to rejig things. I often say to to young girls when I talk to them about getting into STEM and technology and and I and I say these engineers think about the apps you use on your phone how many times you get an update Th- those updates are because they are still fixing it means they didn't get it right the first time they are reevaluating they are rethinking things and and finding ways to make things better all the time so even massive companies like Spotify and Apple they they are constantly improving so I think having that mindset of you will constantly have a chance to to pivot, to rejig that initial idea, but just get started. With me, it started off with a simple message on a Slack group where I said, I had this idea, is anyone interested? Would you be willing to do this pilot with me? Maybe figure out a way to fr- frame it in your mind so that it doesn't come across as too intimidating. I have a new idea for a show. I don't know if it'll work, but I'm testing it out. You know, so don't be afraid to start and don't worry about failure. I think we we get into our own heads too much sometimes. And yes, it may not be massive, but you never know. It might be. I never knew Mums and Tech would have the impact that it did. At the time, it was just something to do on my maternity leave because I wanted to learn and I believed other people deserve to learn it as well. And and I think it's that ripple effect. You know, you surround yourself with the right people. I would say, you know, just don't be afraid to ask for help. Ask mm. you know, for me, my a mentor was super key to to that process of making it happen. You know, being being vulnerable, and you know, I said to them, I don't, I don't know where to start. Can you guide me? Even people who you may assume are your competition believe it or not, they probably will be able to help you. I went to people like Code First Girls. I went to STEMETs, um, Decoded, who were doing courses, but they sat down with me, helped me draft my curriculum. So I would say collaboration is super important. Um, mm. That, you know, community effect um, and keep learning. There's so many great resources available now for anyone looking to learn a new skill, start something new. It's actually a great time to be an entrepreneur. Mm, okay oh gosh well again we're going to talk about networking in a minute but I want to <laughs> take it back a notch to when you talked about I guess your expectations so you said I didn't realize the impact that mums in tech was going to have it was just yeah. something I started on maternity leave so maybe people's expectations now I feel like when they start something is that it has to be a success you have to make you know this much revenue or you have to have a million followers or downloads or there's so many metrics mm-hmm. now to measure success in like a data way which I think I think if I'm honest I think that help holds so many people back from starting because the reality is that when you first start something, you know, you've just started it, you know, before it's shared, before you can grow that ripple effect, before you can keep watering it, watering it, it has to start small, right? So exactly. I think, you know, people get put off because they go, oh, but Adrienne, I, I want to do this thing, but it only has, I don't know, 50 followers or 50 listeners, or actually, you know, I'm not going to make 
a million, you know, I'm not going to have a revenue of a billion. And it's like people mm-hmm. now, I think we compare our metrics to these absolute top 0.001%, you know, your, your Jeff Bezos or exactly. your, you know, and it's like, I think so many people, if they could just level, and, and I guess it kind of sounds quite contradictory from me because I'm someone who's like, you know, your ambition should be bigger and, you know, dream bigger and you need to think bigger. But on the flip side, I guess me saying, you know, all oh, level down your expectation. I don't mean level down your expectation forever, but I think you don't start with the expectation of, oh, tomorrow this is going to be an overnight success because I'm exactly. sure you'd probably agree overnight success does not exist. Oh my God. Let me give you an example. I started Mums and Tech in 2015. Five years later is when I'm being recognized it you know, from, for the MBE. So things take time, things take time, don't rush. But what I would say is those few people who come to you for your service, pay attention to them, learn from them, understand why have they chosen you. And I think start with what you have, but do it to the best of your ability, because actually that really matters. That customer Mm. experience absolutely matters if whether it's five people, two people, the same as if you were to do a live show and one person turns up, you still have to perform. (laughs) You got to do it really well. Yeah, well, I think a really famous example of that is actually Sting. You know, Sting, the you know amazing singer. He, I think, when he first moved to America, you know, one of his famous songs, "Englishman in New York." I think when yeah. he first moved to New York, I think one of his first gigs that was, you know, supposed to like help him to break the U.S. and put him on the map. Five people attended. Oh, wow. Yeah, five people, and he, as you said, he still had to perform. Exactly. He still delivered. And those five people, who you never know as well, who those five people. One of those people could be the person that puts you on or the person that invests or the person that puts you in front of 1 million or 5 million so I think actually that is a really really key takeaway from today already that I'm just like yes it doesn't matter (laughs) if the impact is 1, 5, 50, 500 it it all matters and you talked about network and how you had a mentor so I'd love 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 to hear more about that in my in my book that I I keep referencing I'm like in my book in my book it's I can say that now Um, I I can't wait to read I'm so excited (laughs) oh I'm so excited to share it but uh yeah I've written a whole chapter about the power of people because I believe there is nothing that can be done in isolation that wouldn't benefit from the support and the contribution of others essentially uh, yeah even as humans, we we are stronger together. We've always thrived in communities and yeah. tribes. That's from you know from evolution. So, how important do you think it is to create a network, both personally and professionally? And I think maybe it's quite a British thing that people don't like the word network. They kind of go, oh, it's a bit you know, it sounds cringe or it sounds very formal. But if someone's listening to this podcast and they think, okay, I don't have a powerful network. I don't have people I can reach out to. I don't have a mentor. I don't have. I can't go to events right now. We're in a global mm-hmm. pandemic. So yeah, how important is that network and how can we foster that even right now? Oh, network is so important. Community is so important. And I guess some people don't realize, you know, you you probably have communities without even realizing you're part of it, you know, on Instagram, who are you following, who are you interacting with? Um, webinars, there are quite a few events going on right now you know, you can attend, there are many um, formats where you can have um, interactions on smaller, on smaller group levels and and start to get to know people, but you can network on Twitter, 
you can network on LinkedIn um, simply by joining the conversation, um, reaching out to people who perhaps you've, you you feel a connection with, maybe reaching out to have a, a, a Zoom call with them. And I have, I've networked so well in lockdown with people are Zoom and I'm, I'm an outdoorsy person. I actually love being at home and, and the pandemic has actually suited my networking style a lot better. I do it all online. And I and I have catch up calls with people that I I feel like I've connected with on Twitter. I have no qualms about reaching out on DM as long as their DMs are open. <laughs> or sometimes when I'm feeling brave, I, I use, you know straight out tweet at them mm. and say, "Would you like to to catch up?" But I think always be intentional about um, why you're reaching out to someone. I may have read a Medium blog and really resonated with what the person said, and, and very often I will you know, go back to them and say, I really loved what you wrote. Would you mind having a call for this and that reason? Mm. Um, but I, I would say people are more open than you would assume to connect. Um, and I think now that we're all pretty much at a standstill in terms of we're not going anywhere, you can reach anyone anywhere in the world. I have made so many connections in the US, again, via Twitter, um, via blogs that I've read, and I've just reached out to them and they have gotten back to me. So don't, be afraid to reach out to complete strangers. You'd be surprised that people are willing um, to get back to you. And in terms of community, if you don't feel like you resonate with anything that's out there, create your own. Now is mm-hmm. a great time to be starting something. Again, I found that community for moms in tech because I didn't know any other moms who were looking or interested in tech at the time. And I thought, well, there's nothing. Let me create something. So absolutely feel brave to start something you will be surprised how many people will probably connect with that as well yes and june you've inspired me because i am an extrovert i love to be in the room and i think <laughs> I, I i really rely on on potentially i feel like that's how i've created my network in the last mm-hmm. 8 years and i truly truly believe that you know being in the room having those memorable conversations and my ability to yeah create a network if you like is what has given me a disproportionate advantage to now be able to create so many other things for myself and and for my life and actually you've inspired me to think you know what I would say the same as you but then I was thinking as you were talking am I actually doing that so there's people for Mm -hmm. example who I'd love to interview on this podcast or who I'd love to as you described have a coffee or a zoom call with and actually I think the reality is I'm not doing it and sometimes I don't know whether it's I'm not prioritizing it because I think oh you know we're all busy right so maybe yeah. I think maybe I think oh you know I'll I'll get to that or maybe actually I'm just thinking oh Adrienne you can't ask that person maybe you know maybe in a few months or a few years you know you've got to almost like keep going until you've got this this credentials or this whatever to be able to reach out but actually yeah you yeah, you've inspired me. Yeah. You know what? The, the other day I was like, oh, I'd love to chat to Sophia Amoroso. And I sent her a mm-hmm. DM and she replied. Wow. you got to do these things. They are always remember, and this is something that I learned too late. Everyone is just human. Doesn't matter how many followers they have, how much they've done. They're human. They want to chat. They're normal people. They sit down, they drink water, they have tea. They're normal people. <laughs> and yep. you know what? Normal people need to chat to other normal people. So I think that, um, you know, having removing that fear of, oh, my goodness, they're that famous person. Once I got yeah, rid of that, yeah, that put a massive barrier on me initially. But I think if you get rid of that, talk to anyone. 
Yes. June, you've inspired me. As I said, tomorrow's power hour. Tomorrow morning, I am going to write a list and go through it and just send out those DMs, send out those emails. They've been in the back of my mind. They've been in the back of my mind for months. So many times I'm out running and I'm like, I just really want to email Tom Billiou. And now I'm going to do it. it. Oh, my God. Amazing. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Before we talk actually about the Power Hour, I also want to, I guess, you know, this year has changed the game for so many people and for so many industries. And I've heard people talking about how, you know, for some industries, it's just been an absolute annihilation and the death. Other people, they're like, oh, there's so much opportunity. And there's this kind of, I guess, this shifting of like a new world order and, you know, describing it as like someone's just flipped the board of um, a chess game. The pieces have gone everywhere. And now there's an opportunity for us to grab those pieces, reshuffle, build new connections build new things and it's just yeah it's a crazy thing to even try to comprehend what is actually happening right now in the world if I think about it too much I just you know yeah so how do you think about it when you approach you know decision making now and adapting to this kind of new world order what's been the biggest challenge for you this year well if I'm being very honest uh the start of the the pandemic was was really hard. I think I it hit me more than I realized. I had massive anxiety attacks, and I think it also made me reflect on okay, again, June, how do you want this to go? You're not going to spend. We don't know how long this is going to last, and surely you don't want to spend all of it panicking. So I made a conscious decision that I wasn't going to let this year pass me by. 2020 was not going to be cancelled in my world. (laughs) So I I decided that I was going to make the most. Again, with the networking, I've grown my, my network like a hundredfold. I cannot tell you how many amazing connections I've made this year. I've done things I never thought I would do. Um, I came up with this idea that I wanted to give female founders access to some of the leading investors in the world. And again, it's a brand new idea in my head. I didn't know if it would happen or how it would happen, but I decided it, it was it was going to happen. And I reached out to the best investor, like world-class Danny Reimer at Index, and sent him a I tweeted at him, poor Danny. And I was like, Danny, I, I wanna I wanna do this this um event and I want you to be my first guest. And he replied. He said yes. And, and I'd like, never okay. met him before. I, I'd never met him before. We had zero zero connection. He didn't even know who I was. <laughs> so wow. um and he said yes. And I was like, okay, let's make this happen. So that sort of kicked off a series of events. And then I decided, okay, this is going to be monthly. It's going to be every last Wednesday of the month. And we have done about five events. We've had leading investors from the US, Monique Woodard, Mercedes Benz. We've had Felix Capital. We did it with Black VC. And, you know, it's just kept the fire going. I think, you know, again, with anyone who has found this period difficult, I'd say, you know, try and... Find something, first of all, that makes you happy. 
you know, for me, it's people, it's giving back to the community. It's, you know, it's helping. And I wanted to do something to help female founders who might feel like, you know, in this time, they can't connect with with the investors that they want to reach. So let's let's go big, go big or go home. Let's go get the best people, get them in the room with them, get them to commit and give advice and tell them exactly what they want to see from these female founders so that they can start getting an investment. And and it's and it's just been, you know, changing my mindset and just saying, well, I'm gonna take as many of these opportunities that come my way. Spoke on some big panels, which I probably in the past would have said no because of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Coach, you know, got my coach and we we worked on it together. So I'm saying yes, obviously, to the right things, but also I'm saying no to certain things that perhaps are a distraction or mm-hmm. not not leading me to to you know my end goal or not going to bring me any joy if I'm being perfectly honest. But I think it's important to, to 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 go for these things that last year you may have said no to that you want to do somehow you weren't sure how you were going to do it but I think if you believe in yourself you work hard I think we can do anything we put our minds to it's mindset you know I'm a big believer in in mindset my favorite book is Carol Dweck you know by Carol Dweck yes I, I do I, love, I know I, it. I know that book. book so well in fact I quote her in my book oh, I have it. again I have a I whole you're gonna that. love this book you're gonna love this book June <laughs> me too <laughs> She's incredible. I've just bought it for a friend of mine who obviously, you know, needs needs to believe in herself. And I said, this book will change your life. And mm. and I, I'm a massive believer in that growth mindset. Um, but yeah, it starts in the head. Absolutely. Me too. Do you, I'm just nodding along thinking, <laughs> yes, amen. I hope that people hear it and hear Yay. it again. Because as you said, you know, I think, you know, being honest as well and saying that you had this, you know, feeling at the start of the year, you you did feel, of course, the uncertainty, the change, like, of course, we're all sharing this collective experience of anxiety and, and yes. so many unknowns that I think actually is quite difficult sometimes to just go look on the bright side guys or actually yeah. even if we knew there was an end coming I think it would help but when people don't even know they're like I don't know when this is going to end I think we're floating in this sea and so I really liked when you said you know what 2020 is not going to be cancelled for me yeah. <laughs> and let's be real right it's let's be real time I often talk about the fact that I believe time is the most valuable thing we have hence the power hour Absolutely. and actually time you know it's going to pass whether we use it or not whether we are proactive or not whether we put ourselves out there and try and fail or not the time is still going to pass so we might as well use it absolutely Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about the power hour. Let's talk about the mornings. I'm not sure how much you know about my power hour, June, but I'm sure you know I'm an early bird. I want to make the most. Yeah, I want to make the most of the first hour of the day because for me, it really, once I started utilizing that hour and starting the day intentionally focusing on something that I wanted to get done first thing in the morning before the rest of the day needs my time and attention it was such a game changer so I'd love to know June what your morning routine is like as I mentioned you have three children I so do. I'm sure <laughs> it might be you know tell us about what time you wake up in the morning and what's the first hour of your day like okay well the alarm goes off at seven and <laughs> very often there's two babies in my bed at that point. Ivy and Iris would have snuck their way in at night. So um, I, yeah, it's usually getting them ready for school, you know, sorting out the uniforms, making milk, making breakfast. And then they usually leave the house about 8.15. Um, so it's after them that I have a bit of 
quiet time before I, I try to start work at nine. And I've made a commitment to myself that I will do one thing that makes me happy and improves my mental health uh, for 30 minutes every morning. So that that period between sort of 8.15 to, you know, between then and nine o'clock, I, I will do one thing. So you always inspire me. Every time you pop on my feed, I'm like, okay, I got to work out. Adrian's like, Adrian's running. I better do something. <laughs> so, you know, whether it's meditation or reading or listening to music, I try and do something that will sort of set me on, the, you know, in the right mood for the day. Um, it's it's so important that I give myself like a bit of, you know, headspace because um, yeah. I my work involves a, a lot of a lot of thinking. So I need to sort of always clear my head, make room for all the new ideas that are going to come through. I'm getting better with exercising. Not always good. Pre-lockdown, I was amazing. I was like on fit all the time. Um, yes. And I love, I love fit. You know me. I'm a massive fan. I think it's, it's perfect because, you know, most of the sessions are like 25 minutes, which is perfect for me. Yeah, because I'm so busy. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, lo- I love all the instructors. You're my favorite, though. <laughs> oh, yes, June. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, this is why I wanted to have you on the show. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. But I think it's amazing to see, as I said at the start, you know, it's easy to say, oh, she, you, you're incredibly modest, June, about all of your achievements and, yeah. and the things that you've created and the things that you continue to do. You inspire and encourage so many women to, I think, to be bold and to go into a space which they might not feel that they know anything about or they might not feel welcome in. And like I said, the whole world of you know because I think in the last few years for me personally I'm definitely learning more about you know work at a tech startup right so I think understanding more about as you said getting investment getting in front of the right people pitching creating your own I would never it's a whole world that was not even I didn't even know it existed and I think I really hope that if people are listening to this or if they think oh you know it's not relevant to them or it doesn't apply to them but just just actually to question that and to maybe think a little bigger you don't have to have gone to you know a specific university or had a certain as I said network or I didn't go to university and I didn't I certainly didn't have a a network of anyone in in that industry at all but I do believe that the world is changing and I think if you have the fortitude and if you're bold and as you said reaching out creating these connections working hard actually putting in the time before before you reach out and just say oh can I just you know chat with you or just pick your brain or actually you know do the work first do some prep then people a I think are more likely to be responsive but b you'll get more out of the the time exactly I mean I, and to be honest I knew nothing about venture capital when I when I applied but I was very very honest about what I was going to bring to the table my network my you know my um, passion for diversity and inclusion and how I really wanted to make sure that there were more women in getting venture capital money and they saw that they saw that I was hungry to learn and I was willing to put that work in but I think also yeah, take that time to understand yourself and and why you want to do this new thing and help them see your value yes amazing and I think one last thing that you said about the time in the morning is you said I'm someone who you know I need the time to have a clear head to think to have ideas and I was reading something the other day that was talking about this you know creating space to just think and it was saying you know because I'm someone who I have to be doing you know I'm in action yeah. mode and it's like tick things off and so for me to think about in the morning actually just sit and think I'd be like well 
is that, you know, the best use of time when actually you can't think when you're always doing, always doing, always doing. So another thing, you're giving me so much, June. Another thing I'm going to take away from this interview is that actually if I want to think bigger about some of these ideas to to go bigger and to create, then I actually just need to sit and think and not be doing for a while. Absolutely. I mean, I think with Ivy and with Iris, I guess I had two C-sections. Those were my best thinking times. I can go anywhere. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's really when I, I made some of my biggest transitions. But lockdown is giving all of us this chance to not be rushing around town. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you so much, June. Honestly, I feel like I could talk to you all day. I'm definitely going to book in some time with you myself now to do this virtual connecting. I certainly will. I certainly will. So before I ask you my closing question, which I ask to every guest, can you tell the listeners of the show where they can reach out to you, where they can find you online? Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at June Angelides. Amazing. And I'll also share that in the show notes as well for spellings, etc. So June, my closing question is all about time. So often people say they don't have enough time to do the things on their list, to, to reach their goals or to even stop and think. So if I was to gift you one extra hour every single day, there's now 25 hours instead of 24. <laughs> what are you going to use your extra hour each day to do? Oh, that's that's a good one. And I and I also think maybe that's an easy one for me. Um, I always feel I never have enough hours in the day to to talk to, you know, those that are nearest and dearest to me, you know, like my grandma. You know, she's 94 this year. Wow. I, I should be calling her every single day. I need to make more time. I need to be more intentional about that. So I call her. I would I would call you know, my good friends and, and family members that perhaps we just don't get enough time to connect with because, you know, what end of the day family's family yeah absolutely brilliant thank you so much june i've really loved this as i said i'm feeling inspired and motivated to expand my own network and you're going to be top of my list so thank you june thank you everyone for listening to the show i really hope you've enjoyed today's episode if you have let us know and remember share it share it online give us rates reviews all of that stuff really helps to grow this show to get new guests onto the show and to yeah keep bringing the power hour every single week so thanks for tuning in have an awesome week Thank Bye. You, Bye. Bye. Thank you.